Hey guys, welcome to Bohani Soul. Um, today I'm actually doing an extra episode here because I wanted to squeeze in a, uh, an episode right before hunting season begins for the majority of us. Uh, normally I do this on a every kind of two week schedule. I try to keep to that, but uh, opening day for me here in Minnesota is next week, or actually just this coming uh, Saturday, actually. And although a lot of uh, states have already uh, started some of their seasons. I know, you know, California started, uh, Nevada, um, Kentucky, I believe, uh, you know, a, b- a bunch of other states, you know, they're hunting, you know, mule deer and, and, and blacktails and elk and things like that, and, and whitetails as well. Uh, North Dakota started. Um, I think the majority, I think the rest of the states really, for especially for whitetail, as far as whitetail is concerned, and that's kind of, this is kind of more like a whitetail focused podcast, uh, doesn't really start until the middle of September or like the first of October. So uh, this is kind of last minute. I know this is kind of last minute, but um, I wanted to, uh, you know, at least kind of get something uh, out to you guys. Uh, some of this stuff you may not be able to do at the very, very last second, but hey, it's never too late to to, to go through this stuff. So what I kind of want to do is go through like a quick little recap of uh, what I've been up to in my final kind of equipment in my um, my final setup going into archery season here in about a week. And, uh, you know, maybe bring some things to light to you guys as far as, uh, you know, equipment and things to get ready and, and just things that, you know, to look out for, uh, so that if your season hasn't started yet, or even if it has started yet, maybe, uh, this could, um, enlighten you a little bit or, you know, jar something, uh, you know, in you that's like, oh yeah, I need to do this or I need to do that. So, uh, with that being said, I'm going to get, uh, I'm going to get right into the show here. So the first thing I wanted to do is I can't remember what I talked about last time, but I want to kind of recap so far going into, I guess, um, uh, late summer going into, uh, the season here. Uh, Today is, uh, September 8th. I'm doing this right. So this is like a Sunday night. Um, in the last few weeks, I've actually been doing, you know, some more scouting. I've been doing a lot of uh, practicing from a saddle. Um, I've been checking out some of the areas that I talked about in, um, that, that I previously mentioned that I talked about in, uh, in turkey season where I found, you know, a, a bunch of new trails and I found, you know, some new rubs and some beds and things like that. And what I actually did, believe it or not, um, is I went and bought a trail camera. Now, um, I have an episode that I recorded a while ago. It's on ethics, and I haven't released it yet. And I'm kind of glad I haven't, and I don't know that I will. I think I'm going to re-record that one. Um, some of the stuff in there, and w- well, one of the things in there definitely is about trail cameras. Now, before, I haven't been a big fan of trail cameras. I have not, uh, I-, I didn't think they belonged in the woods, and I still don't think the ones that are like cellular cameras that tell you, you know, exactly what's going on, like right now and send it to your cell phone. I think that's, that's, that's going over the line of fair chase. Um, I don't need to know, you know, exactly when, you know, a deer is, you know, is where it is like right now. I don't need to know it real time because I think that leads to potentially uh, abusing that kind of knowledge. Um, I wasn't a big fan of trail cameras before thinking, you know, I, I, Still, I don't need to know what, you know, every single buck is doing and then, you know, you know, follow this one particular, you know, animal and um, know that, you know, it, it comes this way exactly. And on every third Wednesday when the full moon is out or something like that, you know, it poops exactly at 2.30 in the morning and it's, you know, poops in this one particular spot are like the shape of Elvis, right? I didn't, I didn't need to know that. And I thought, you know, it, it, it bordered on, you know, too much knowledge, you know, where's the woodsmanship, where's the gamesmanship, that kind of thing. 
but so I, I don't know. I kind of, I kind of was, was curious about it. So I went and bought a cheap trail camera. I bought this, this Tasco, uh, I don't even know what it is. It was on sale at Walmart for 28 bucks. And for another 12 bucks, I got the, the batteries and the, you know, 12, uh, 12 gig, um, uh, SD card. So I actually put it on this trail that I'd, I'd been, uh, that I had discovered in scouting. And, uh, I left it over there like four nights or something like that. And if you follow my Instagram, sure enough, there's deer on there. There's this, there's, there's a doe. There is, uh, I think two does and one definite buck on there. He's not a big buck. He's like a four point. He was still in velvet. So it was, um, you know, uh, like a four point deer and you know me, I don't really care about size. I don't really care about, you know, you know, big deer, big, when I say big deer, I talk about body deer, right? And for some reason, this this deer seems to have like a big body on it for not a you know very big rack. It's probably like a year and a half year old. I don't think it's a two and a half year old. I don't think um, definitely definitely young deer, not a mature deer. But again, for me, I don't care. I'm trying to get my first kill with a with, with a traditional bow, and uh, the places where I can set up in this is um, I can get into a tree there with my saddle. I'm going to talk about my saddle real quick uh, after this. But actually, I think I have a better chance. Talk the way this is. It's kind of it borders against a marsh, and there's this trail with high grass, uh, or the trail going through the grass, and then it, it tucks up into this hillside. And I can tuck myself up into this hillside with my ghillie suit um, and have an easy 10, maybe at the most 15-yard shot, depending how far back and how, how tucked in I want to keep it. And, um, it seems like deer, the deer travel again, I've only had this out there for like four days and it's too close to opening season, uh, to opening day for me to go back out there and leave the camera out there again for another four days. I want to stay out of there, but, um, <clears throat> it seems like they travel at all hours of the day and night. I, I have pictures at like, you know, 11 o'clock at night. I have uh, pictures at four in the after four or five in the afternoon. I have pictures at, you know, eight o'clock, nine something in the morning. So, um, and, and, and they're going both ways, you know, they kind of, they're kind of crisscrossing. I, I really haven't figured out an exact pattern. So the trail camera really didn't tell me anything, honestly, that I didn't already, um, already know. Cause I put it out there. Cause I was like, man, I don't know which way these guys are going. I don't know if they're going east to west. Or I don't know if they're going west to east and I don't know what time a day they're doing what. And it seems like they're kind of going back and forth at all hours of the day. So maybe if I'd let the camera soak out there for several weeks, I'd get a, a better pattern going, but I kind of got into the whole game late. Um, but anyway, I pulled the camera, um, and I'm going to go sit that spot, uh, opening weekend. I'm probably going to, I'm maybe probably not going to be able to get out Saturday, which is opener, but I'm probably going to be out there Sunday. And, um, I, I, you know, I'm just going to sit there tucked in, hunkered down and, you know, and, and see what happens. So, um, and then I'll, I'm, I'm really rethinking about, about redoing that, re-recording that episode about, uh, ethics because, um, I don't know, I got a trail camera now and I'd be kind of a hypocrite. And if I, if I, you know, put that out there, a and B, I don't know, maybe my, um, uh, my thoughts on certain things are changing, you know, and I'm not afraid to, I'm not afraid to admit that. So I'm not going to put something else out there, but anyway, um, so moving on from that again, if you follow me on, um, on Instagram or anything else, you will have seen, I don't think I mentioned it in the podcast, you will have seen that I have a new pack. And I went and ordered uh, the Kafaru Door Gunner. And let me tell you, I'm loving this pack. I wanted something uh, a little bit lighter, smaller, more compact, but but definitely like beefy and durable um, than what I had. I still have my Kuyu Icon Pro 1850. 
Um, I've had that for about four years now. And when I was carrying a tree stand and a whole bunch of other stuff, uh, it made sense because, you know, I could strap the stand to it. I can, you know, strap up other, other stuff to it, put, you know, a lot of clothes and a lot of, you know, stuff inside of it. And I still have that pack. Um, I've, I've, I've carried out, you know, boned out deer and carried out, you know, in that pack. And, you know, that, that works fine. And in late season, you know, that's an 1850. It's still not a very, you know, very big capacity pack, but it's an 1850. And um, later season, you know, I think I might still be able to use, use that one because I'll probably be carrying more, um, uh, uh, you know, layers, right? And it'll be like bulkier layers, like maybe like a thicker jacket or uh, my bibs if I decide to carry my bibs or something like that. They get strapped to the outside or, 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 or tucked inside. Um, I'm carrying more things like, you know, more hats, more you know, like a vest I may or may not wear in. You know, when you're walking in, even if you're not walking in a lot, I sweat easy. I, I overheat easy when it, even when it's cold. So, um, you know, it's not just like a jacket and a pants that, that I might have to carry in with me. It might be like an extra vest, an extra long sleeve layer, an extra hat, uh, you know, mittens, you know, whatever. So, um, but for the majority of the season, man, I, I really wanted to go with something smaller, something lighter and something that fits, um, uh, in, in more in tune with the, the more mobile, lighter, trimmer, leaner, meaner, uh, saddle hunting, you know, setup that I'm, that I'm going after. So what I did is, like I said, I went and got the, uh, Kafaru door gunner and this is a 1000 cubic inch pack. And this thing is awesome. Uh, I know the guys over at, uh, Kafaru, I know, you know, Aaron and Frank, whatever, when they keep talking about, um, <clears throat> when, when people, they don't like it when people say, you know, their stuff is the best, right? Saying the best, you know, who the hell knows is the best. Well, I'm telling you, it's probably the best constructed pack that I've ever had. It's not, not probably, it is the best constructed pack that I've ever had. I'm not going to say it's the best, but I'm probably going to tell you that it's, it's going to be the best, at least for, for my needs. Um, it's actually bigger inside and has more capacity than you think it does. Um, it's got just enough organization and just enough pockets and, and, and zippers and things like that, that for, for what I like, um, as far as compartmentalization goes, you know, for, you know, kind of a tucked away place for your wallet and your keys and another, you know, kind of top, uh, zippered place for, uh, you know, things you might access more, uh, readily, like, you know, like a headlamp, or if you're going to put your, um, you know, milkweed container or something like that in there. Um, I also got the, the waist belt for it. Um, and, um, I ordered the two, uh, uh, small hip pockets for it, the, the belt pocket pouches for it, which are due to come. So, um, basically in the pack, it is, it's a top loading pack. Go look it up. Um, I'm not going to describe all of it, but I can carry everything I need to. I, I was really amazed when I, when I'm in a saddle hunting mode, uh, you know, since I'm not having to carry, you know, a stand or anything like that, I'm actually, Believe it or not, I have more capacity than than I think that, that I thought I would have. Um, my my stuff goes in. I've got like a little emergency kit in there on, on the very very bottom, like a kill kit, and then uh, you know on top it's like a big tube. Like I said, it's a top loader. But then after that, I've got my you know my tether. I've got my lineman belt. I've got my saddle. Um, I've got uh, you know whatever else little little ropes or things like that that I, that I may need on top. And there's still enough room on top inside inside the the saddle or the bag to, uh, you know, scrunch up a, uh, like a vest or, uh, my, my first light puffy. Uh, I can, I can shove that thing in there. I can put gloves in there or hat in there. If I need to, I can shove in, um, uh, you know, the orange vest, 
um, if, if I need to, because um, small game season opens up also same same day as uh, as archery uh, deer, you know, next next Saturday. So I always have at least I have one of those really flimsy kind of um, uh, you, you can ball it up into like the size of a, you know, like a like a baseball kind of thing. It's a really flimsy vest. It's not really a game vest where you can put like, you know, put, you know, put you know, game in it or anything like that. It doesn't have pockets. It's just a vest that kind of you put on. It's got this little Velcro um, kind of mini strap, you know, enclosure. But it basically it gets you legal, basically, right? So if my deer hunt turns into a, um, you know, a small game hunt, which it frequently does, then I'm legal. But but it's it's just ex- more extra fabric, more extra stuff that I have to have with me in the pack um, that I'm going to carry around anyway. You know, and every last little, every every extra little thing takes up just that much little more space. So. I've got I've got the space for this. I really really like it. It's a lightweight pack. It's really um, unobtrusive. Really well built. So um, I'm I'm super super happy with it. Like I said, I'm still going to keep the Kuyu. Um, it's uh, you know it, it's going to be capable of carrying you know more stuff late season. But you know this is go go look it up. It's got uh, what else does it have on the front? It has uh, kind of like that zigzag like kind of cinch bungee on the front. Uh, and the on the side just got uh, like a zigzag kind of strap. Um, both sides you can carry Nalgene bottles. You know it can fit Nalgene bottles, but you know water bottles, what have you. It's got these pockets, uh, but one on each side. And then uh, along the along the side, I can also put um, uh, strap stuff to it. So if I want to carry my tripod, or uh, more more often than not, I'm carrying. I'm almost always carrying my um, my tripod stool, little folding like tripod stool. You know, that goes in. So one would go on one side, one would go on the other side. And, you know, I'll carry a water bottle or whatever inside or in front of the front mesh, po- or, you know, stretchy pocket or whatever. Man, it's just, it's it's working out so good. Um, I've had it hanging in a tree. It's not gigantic in the tree, you know, where it's just like, you know, it's just like in, in a smaller tree. It's not twice the size of the tree or anything like that, like the Kuyu is, you know. So um, I, I really don't mind having it up there with me. Everything's accessible. And, uh, it's, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be pretty good. Now, how this plays in with, uh, with my, my climbing methods too, is, you know, a lot of times with the saddle, I've talked, I may have talked about this before, but the, one of the problems you have when you're, when you kind of go to the saddle thing is how do I carry my sticks? Okay. Uh, whether you're using like, like the wild edge steps, which I've tried, I don't like, uh, or you're using, you know, on, on private land, if you have like screw in steps or if you have like, you know, bolts or whatever that you drill in, or if you just carry um, uh, like lone wolf, uh, you know, strap on sticks or hawk helium sticks or muddy sticks or what have you. Um, the, the, the problem with carrying that is when you have a tree stand, it was a lot easier because you have a nice flat surface in order to, 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 to um, bungee or strap your sticks like a hard flat surface, right, when the stand is kind of folded up to the to the stand and then then the problem becomes okay what do I do with the stand well if you have a really small backpack you put straps on the stand or maybe a hip belt on the stand and then you hang your you know little mini backpack off the stand or in my case um, I would strap that whole contraption to the back of my my Kuyu the Icon Pro and I would wear that uh, wear it in and out now that's that's all fine and dandy but when you get rid of the tree stand then you still have to have some sort of climbing method and trying to strap um, sticks, which is my preferred method, trying to strap sticks onto a backpack becomes really difficult because there's there's no rigidity there. Even if it has like uh, you know stays or anything like that, the, the 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 thickness or the 
the, the fullness of the pack can vary depending how much stuff you got in there. Um, trying to cinch down, uh, you know, sticks so they don't move around to something that's relatively soft, i.e. your pack, is, is pretty difficult. And this is a problem a lot of guys, uh, it's not really solved. A lot of these, these problems aren't really solved, especially you carry, if you carry, you know, three sticks, four sticks, what have you. Um, this is a problem. It seems like from what I'm, what I'm reading in the last, you know, three, four five months, I've been into this, this, the saddle community thing. And, uh, it's probably one of the most number, you know, number one asked questions, but what I've decided to do is, um, I've gone away earlier in the season. I was practicing with, um, two sticks. I could carry three and I was using a nader and suader system. So I have these cut down hawk helium sticks and I have a video on this. Go check it out on the uh, Hunting Soul YouTube channel. And uh, those sticks I was carrying um, strapped to, uh, to the molly loops on the bottom of, uh, you know, pick the pack. You know, either my old one or this new Kafaru or the, um, uh, the Kuyu. And I was kind of, you know, kind of where you would, one would put like a bedroll, you know, like on the bottom of the pack. I had these, uh, th these straps on there and I was using those. And I could still do that if I wanted to. But uh, lately, I decided to give the one-stick method another try. And I tried this before, and I didn't have very good results with it. But I'm telling you what, uh, this time around, the one-stick method is absolutely golden. Now, if you don't know what the one-stick method is, is um, you, know, you would walk up to the tree. You have one... Uh, cut down stick and the reason we cut down the sticks is just is, is just to reduce the bulk Okay, it's not the weight on any good pack any good system, whatever you're really not concerned about I mean you may be concerned about the weight, but the weight's really not the issue it carries well Okay with a with a proper pack it carries well the really the, the big issue is um, the uh, the bulk okay and when you're using, let's say, like a nader and suader system, which kind of helps you go from one stick to the other, it, it lets you gain height, um, you know, exponentially higher, let's say, or if you're using the one stick method, like I'm, I'm kind of converting to now, then you can use a shorter stick because a stick, all you're really moving is like an anchor point, really. So you go from one anchor point to the other anchor point, but you don't need to carry a long stick. Okay, see what I'm saying? It's really, it doesn't really get you that much. And what you benefit from a shorter stick uh, far outweighs, you know, the, 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 the number of inches that you cut down the stick. Now, the Hawk Heliums, they're like 32-inch sticks, I believe. I cut mine down to 22. Um, there's like 19 and a half inch uh, step uh, height, in, you know, in between the two steps. So I've got two steps on there. Um, and they're double steps. So they'd be like, you know, left, right, and then at the very top, left, right. So I have three sticks that are like that. And on my third stick, actually, the one, the one of the sticks, I have a platform. And it's, uh, uh, I can't, I can't even, I'm looking at it right now. I don't even know the size of it. I'm going to say it's about like three and a half inches maybe by, I don't know, 10, 12 inches wide. Um, it is by Artisan Outdoor Fabrication. I may have mentioned that one before. It, uh, it just bolts to where your top steps would be on your stick. And that actually acts as your platform as well. So when you get you use that as your top stick, or in my case, it's my only stick that I'm, I'm probably going to be using. And when I get there, I can, you know, use that wider platform instead of having to stand on the on the skinny, narrow, uh, you know, jagged teeth um, uh, steps, you know, the folding steps of the stick. This is much more comfortable for your feet to, you know, sit on for a couple hours on end. So uh, anyway, so the one stick method. Now, what I have, what I had, well, before I do that, what I had done 
to my sticks when I first got them originally was I changed them out to do the rope mod. And a lot of people know what the rope mod is. You, uh, you get like a lone wolf uh, Versa button or you make your own Versa button with uh, washers and such and you get some eight millimeter rope and you do this kind of, you know, um, like a constrictor kind of thing uh, where, where the ropes kind of crisscross behind the Versa button. You do like a half hitch and you, and you cinch it down and you pull down on the stick and it gets rid of the, the buckle, okay? Um, a lot of problems with the buckles that come, like the cinch strap buckle, you know, with the you know springy release kind of thing, is the buckles are heavy, and they're metal, they clang, and, uh, you know, people want to get rid of them. So the ropes are a lot quieter, they're a little bit lighter overall, and that's what I've been using. So then, uh, recently, I purchased some um, uh, daisy chains, some 764 uh, 764 inch amp steel daisy chain. I can't remember the guy who makes them. Um, and these are basically just kind of like loops, right? Daisy chain is kind of, is, uh, is rope that kind of crisscrosses each other back and forth. And they're just, they're, it makes little loops. So what you do is it's super, super light. I mean, it's, it's like, I mean, way lighter than even the eight millimeter ropes, obviously you're not carrying, you know, eight, eight, 10 feet of rope per stick. You're carrying, you know, six feet or eight feet or whatever of, of this, this amp steel that literally you can ball up in, 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 in the palm of your hand. And it's super strong. Um, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm testing out the, uh, the, the abrasion resistance of it, right? I mean, I climb a lot of oaks and, you know, moving that stuff up and down on oaks, it's, it's really rough. So some people, you know, may not, may not trust it. I don't know. I'm going to see, I'm going to see how it does. Um, so I've, I've, I've been using that. It's really easy. You, you know, you hook, uh, you hook one loop, let's say over the, over the Versa button and you toss the other end of the rope all the way around the tree. And then you basically, you make it tight and you find the nearest loop. Okay. When you make, when you make this, the, the, the rope like taut, you find the nearest loop that will go over the Versa button again, once it goes around the tree. Okay. And whatever that one is, you, you, you clip it over there. And then you just yank down, you, you, you know, you pull down on the stick, you set the stick like you would like any other, you know, any other method to make it nice and secure. And that's it. There's no buckle. There's no, there's no rope. There's no uh, um, knots to tie or anything like that. So that works out really, really slick. And if I'm going to be, and I still may use, you know, multiple sticks, that's definitely what I'm going to use. I mean, this packs up into nothing. You don't have any ropes dangling. Um, you don't have to tie up the, you know, the eight millimeter ropes, you know, it, it just takes up space. This amp steel stuff is really, really cool. It's really skinny. Again, it kind of makes you wonder it's really thin, you know, and I, I, I don't know about the abrasion resistance, but I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to try it and, um, we'll see how it goes. But what I recently did, it was when I, when I switched to this one stick method, I actually went and uh, got a buckle from a guy who was no longer using his buckle. It's from a, it's from a muddy, one of the muddy sticks. So it's like the regular old uh, looped on one end, uh, looped on the other end, but you know, the end that you cinch uh, taut, it actually goes through just like a, like a cinch buckle, right? So you just, you just pull it tight and it's, it's a cam buckle. Um, I'm going to tape it up, make sure, you know, try to, you know, get rid of the ding, you know, the metal ding and everything out of there. But the reason I'm doing that is because of this one stick method. Now, what is the one stick method? Well, um, in order to get rid of even more bulk, I decided to um, use a method that I, I've seen other people use, and I haven't been able to use it before. I've tried it, and it just didn't work because uh, of 
the the saddle that I was using, it, it wasn't working with that. Now, um, I'll get back to the whole saddle thing. With this saddle that I'm using now, I'm able to do that, and it's able, and it's actually working. What you do is you go up to the tree and you you know you you you, you slap your stick on, right? Put your stick on. You don't have to do it like super super high. You do it as high as basically you want to, but enough to get your foot onto the stick. You're not using any kind of aider system. You're not using any kind of uh, you know nader suede or anything like that. Um, you know which can dangle and fall off your foot. You know, I, I didn't go super deep into that stuff. I was going to make a video about it. There's other videos about it, but I still don't have a perfect system to keep that attached to me in, in a way that I like. So I didn't do a video on it, but um, I'm not using any of that stuff because I'm taking the stick up with me. So what you do is you put the stick on and you pop up in the tree, put on your lineman belt, and then you also um, uh, put on your tether. Okay. So you put your tether as high as it can go or as, as high as you feel, you feel comfortable and you hook in. Okay. So you got your saddle on, you have your tether up there, just like you would be hanging in the tree and you hook it up to your bridge and you know, you take the slack out and there you are. Okay. You're, you're, you're secured to the tree. Now with this method, I find that I don't actually use my lineman belt because I don't need to use my lineman belt because I'm using my tether. I I'm secured to the tree with, with a thicker rope actually. So I, I feel that it's a little bit safer. Plus, I don't have to lean away from the tree like you do with a lineman belt when you're climbing a normal stick. Uh, don't get me wrong. I love my lineman belt. I still have it with me because I'm using it as a backup tether. I'll get to that later. But um, when you're up, when, when you're uh, when when you're using this method, you're, you you already have a nice secure like rope tether whatever to to be hanging from. So you climb you climb the stick. You climb to the top of the stick. Okay, so you're standing on the very top of the stick, and then you move your um, uh, you move your tether up. Right? You loosen it up just a little bit, and you move your tether up. Now, if you wanted to, yes, you can absolutely. I'm not telling you one way or another. You can absolutely still have your lineman belt on there for double security. In fact, you probably should. I found that it kind of got in the way a little bit, and uh, there was more more jumble of ropes and things. But um, depending on the tree, if I'm climbing not a not so perfect tree, I might be also be using my lineman belt. But anyway, so you move that, you move your tether up, and then what you do is you you take the slack out of your tether just like you would uh, at you know at, at hunting height, let's say. And then you what I do is I just kind of move off to the side and hang there. Okay, so you're hanging in your saddle like you would um, when you're hunting except your, you know, your feet are no longer on the sticks. Now you have to kind of play with this a little bit of how high you can move your tether and, um, how, you know, how high you want to climb, because then you reach down and you move your stick up. So you undo the strap. Okay. And you move the stick up with you, right? So you've stood on the top of it. So you got to make sure that when you're hanging there, you can reach down and grab the top of the stick and undo the buckle or undo the strap or whatever it is, and then move it up. Now, this is the reason why I decided to go back to the buckle. With the Amsteel, especially since it's such skinny rope, if you, it's tough to describe, but like trying to, trying to do this on a, on, uh, on oak, you know, on like really rough bark uh, trees, it, it gets caught. It, it does its job too well. Okay? It grips too well, which is not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing when you're, you know, when you're climbing the thing, right? But when you're constantly trying to loosen that, uh, loosen that, that, that daisy chain and move it up and kind of, kind of shimmy, you know, um, 
kind of kind of wiggle the rope up the tree, you know, the amp steel up the tree along with your stick. It becomes kind of, it becomes really difficult. It kind of shreds your knuckles and your fingers and stuff, you know, if you're not careful. So um, what I've gone to then, like I said, I've gone back to the cinch strap. With the cinch strap, what I can do is uh, loosen that buckle a little bit to give it a little more slack, okay? And with a little more slack, I can more easily, you know, scoot that stick right up the tree, cinch the buckle down, and then, you know, push down on the stick, and then step onto the stick, okay? So now we've basically gone up, you know, like two levels, basically. We stood on the stick, moved our tether, brought our stick back up, you know, closer to, you know, our, 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 our step height. We step up into the stick, climb up to the top steps of the stick, and then move, and then keep moving our, our, our tether and our lineman belt all the way up. Now, it sounds kind of complicated, and the first couple times I did it uh, before, it, it, it took, you know, I, I wasn't really good at it. I tried it with like a, like an etrier, like a five-step etrier or like a, like a ladder system, like a rope ladder, but the, the stick is working a lot better because I can actually grab the stick with my hands and use that as leverage to help pull me up and steady myself and, and things like that. That's one of the benefits of of a stick as long as it's secure but the rope ladder kind of kind of things they you don't have that stability um i think with having you know like a grab handle you know for your hands so anyway that's what you do you you know you step onto the stick you keep you know climbing up to the stick to the top set of uh you know top set of um uh, foot pegs move your tether up along with your lineman belt hang off, you know, take the slack out of it, hang off the side of the tree, or just, or some people can actually bring it up between their legs. I found it easier to just kind of go off to one side and just lean down, um, you know, to, you know, to my right side, let's say, and then, and then bring it up instead of trying to do all of that in between my legs. But uh, whatever, you know, whatever works for people. So honestly, I've actually found this, I'm actually pretty proficient at it. And it doesn't, if you take your time, it doesn't t cause me any more um, uh, you know, sweat and strain or noise or anything like that. And, uh, I can get up, you know, pretty easily. Now, the, um, the two things you gotta be careful about, obviously, are number one, you don't want to drop that stick. Okay. And you should always have a an alternate method of getting down. Um, if you drop the stick, well, you have two options. You can, uh, either carry some sort of, uh, like a grappling hook, you know, or uh, like a grab it or some sort of, um, you know, like grappling hook. They, they sell a bunch of different styles. I don't have that. Um, you can either do that or you can get really creative with your uh, lineman belt and your tether. And you can kind of shimmy your way down using both of them. You can make a foot loop uh, or foot loops. Let's say I'd like tie like bowling knots. If you don't know what a bowling knot is, go learn how to do a bowling knot. And and this is another reason why I have that that lineman belt up there with me all the time, even if I'm I am or not going to use it. It can be used as a second tether, and then you just basically you know move one down, uh, move the other one down, move one down, move the other one down. As you're standing on on foot loops you've made on each one of them, it'll take you a while to do it, and you may have to hang there for a while and get your your strength back because um, you know it's you're balancing on on two ropes that want to kick out and, and things like that, but it's better than being stuck in a tree. You can either do that, and that's something you should practice. I, I practiced it a little bit, and it's tough. Um, or I'm actually carrying two screw-in steps. Now, on public land in here in Minnesota, you're not allowed to use screw-in steps. However, I'm going to tell you whether I get in trouble for this or not, this is not something I would use anyway because I don't like screw-in steps. 
because, I mean, if you kick out, you gaff out or whatever, I mean, you get gouged by those things. They dig into you. Some people have been like, like gored by them, you know, and your stomach. I mean, it's just bad stuff. Some people will love those steps. I don't know. But anyway, I'm carrying two of those in my pack. And my pack is going to be uh, on my back until I'm actually up um, at, at hunting height. And I might actually consider carrying one in my uh, in my dump pouch on my saddle so that's on me. So in case of something like if uh, my stick gaffs out or, or breaks out or something like that and falls down while I'm standing there on it and my uh, my pack, let's say, is hung in the tree and now I fall down a little bit and I can't quite reach my pack to unhook it from the, from the gear hanger and get into it, well, it'll be on me. So um, anyway, in that case, I would then use the, uh, the screw in steps to, you know, I'd, I'd reach down as far as I could, you know, screw it in, stand on it, lower my tether, you know, and kind of drop down, unscrew it, you know, and then reach down, screw it in again. Um, in an emergency, yeah, I have no problems, you know, violating that little bit of law because, hey, I don't want to be stuck in a tree, uh, you know, where it could be dangerous or whatever. But that's kind of like, that that's an emergency kind of thing. And I hope, uh, you know, hope I'd, I'd never, you know, actually have to have to use that. All right. So that is my um, climbing system that I'm going to be using. And uh, yeah, it's it's super light. So I have one stick. I have one stick that's cut down to 22 inches. I've got that mini platform on top from Artisan Outdoor Fabrication. And it's working out really well for me. Um you got to make sure the stick is tight. I have had um, issues with it's not it's not a problem with the platform, but it's a problem with trying to stand on the stick and trying to shoot kind of lean out sideways and being able to put side pressure on that platform. Um, it's the it's it's the stick that will kick out. It's the stick that you know when it when you have like vertical pressure on it when you when it's being designed to be being used as designed where you're climbing straight up and you're putting straight down pressure on it. The stick is fine. If you're on top, on the top pegs, and you're leaning out, because I've been practicing, right? If you're leaning out one way and and and, and kind of bracing yourself and, and and leaning out the other way, then I've had I have had a kick out sideways on me, and that's something you got to practice before you're in the you know in, in the moment. And if you have if you have issues with it, you know, practice it on the ground. If you haven't done any of this stuff, practice it on you know one or two feet off the ground, so that you know if you have you know, if the thing does kick out on you and then you just kind of hang there, you know, then you can figure out how to like, you know, um, you know, move, move, move the stick over and, and, and get it back and get them, you know, upright and that kind of thing. It's something you really, really ought to practice. Now, what I could do is I could go and buy, let's say, um, uh, a better platform. And I think like the Cadillac of the platforms is, um, the predator platform from tethered, right? I mean, there's not a single person that's bought one that's that, that doesn't like it. And they say it holds up incredibly well to side pressure. Now, being able to shoot at all, you know, angles out of the tree, leaning out left, right, around, whatever, um, you're really bracing a lot of a lot of weight a lot of times um, on the wings of the platform on the side of the platform, let's say. And that's that's can can really be, you know, beneficial, right? And for um, that's one of the things that's touted as, as, as being the benefits of saddle hunting is you can do that kind of stuff. Well, I'm finding that I can't do quite as much of that stuff when it, when it's on the stick like this, I'm going to try a couple different things. I'm going to try, um, uh, maybe carrying, um, a, a ratchet strap up there to maybe if, if the ratchet strap is actually going to tighten, uh, that stick a little bit better to keep it from doing that again. Now a ratchet strap is heavy. Okay. Even the light ratchet straps are heavy. Um, 
And that's just more stuff you got to carry with you. I'm not so concerned about ratchet straps making noise, okay? I mean, I can ratchet a ratchet pretty damn quietly, okay? I, I certainly end up making a lot more noise, unfortunately, doing other things than using a ratchet strap. But I haven't, I haven't tried it yet. I have it with me in my pack next time I go out practicing or whatever, or maybe during an actual hunt, I'm going to do that. Um, that's just to keep the, uh, the stick from kind of moving out left and right uh, once I'm... I'm at height. I don't know. Um, I don't know how that's going to work. I do know that um, when I stand on the bottom set of st uh, steps on that stick, that it's not wanting to kick out as much. Is it's because the the buckle, the versa button, and the strap that goes around the tree is you know past uh, midway, right? Uh, it's on the it's on uh, more more on the north side rather than the south side of that stick, and for some reason uh, I don't know you know, physics, whatever. If I try to do that kind of stuff standing on the foot pegs of the lower pegs, I can do more of that leaning out and side pressure than I can on the upper set or on that platform. The problem is the comfortable platform is on the top of the stick and not on the bottom of the stick. And it can't go on the bottom of the stick. It, it, it can't fit that way. And, uh, the bottom set of, um, the bottom set of, uh, of, of uh, foot pegs, of course, is serrated, you know, it's got teeth on it, it's uncomfortable, so, um, you know, I don't know, I'm still playing around with that kind of stuff, but the way I have it now, I've got that, that Kafaru, and all up, ready to hunt, okay, with my tether, my, uh, my saddle, my lineman belt, my kill kit, you know, water, flashlight, you know, a Snickers bar in there, um, you know, everything, literally everything ready to go minus my weapon, right? Minus my bow, whatever bow I'm happen to be carrying is like 17 pounds. Okay. Including the, um, uh, including my stick with that platform and that platform, it goes, uh, or the stick rather, it goes on the outside of that Kafaru. Um, if you, if you look up the door gunner, uh, stuff to describe, either look on my, um, YouTube channel. I did a, um, a video on it or go to Kafaru, uh, Kafaru, uh, is it Kafaru.net? I can't remember. Anyway, go look up the door gunner and it's got that, um, cinch, uh, bungee across the front, you know, like the stretchy zigzag bungee that goes across the front. I'm actually threading it through there. And, um, the weight of the, of the stick is actually, there's like a grab handle on the bottom of the bag and it, I'm, I'm putting the bottom of the stick through there. So it's actually supporting the weight vertically, um, on that grab handle. Okay. So like the cinch straps, don't have to support the weight vertically, so it's not sagging. Okay, so that 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 um, uh, the grab handle is actually holding that weight, and the cinch strap or that cinch uh, you know bungee, all that's doing is it's sucking it tight to the bag, and it's working out great. Again, it's only one stick, not a lot of weight. I'm telling you, 17 pounds all up, it's just just phenomenal. Now with the sorry, that was without the hip belt, and that was without you know uh, pockets and stuff, right? And I didn't have my binoculars in there, so I'm gonna say probably to be an honest all-up weight, probably 19 pounds, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe 20 at the most. But I mean, this thing carries so well, it's so light, and I still got room to put stuff in there for for late season. I mean, this may actually be um, a, a pack that I can use late season. Um, when I originally had gotten the, um, the, uh, the, the, the Kuyu, I was thinking, well, you know, uh, I, I need to be able to, you know, pack out some game. I need to be able to, you know, maybe do like one trip. Well, if you've seen the video I did on the, on the Kuyu frame, which I've junked, um, 
you you know that it's 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 a disaster. Okay, I'm not going to go I'll go deep into my my disappointment with the Kuyu frame and being able to detach the bag and whatnot. So I've come to the conclusion that look, I end up bow hiking 99.9% of the time anyway, and if I do actually get something down. It's going to be a such a rarity. I don't want to be negative. I'm trying to think positive, but I'm being I'm being a realist here. Most oftentimes, I'm not hauling, you know, you know, deer out stacked up like cordwood, right? I can go back, empty my pack, and go back and start quartering the thing out, or go back with a sled and and bring it out, or or do whatever it is I need to do. So, um, I'm more interested in being mobile and being light. And, and being able to get to places and have a good hunt rather than worry about, man, I got, I've got, you know, you know, like, like if, say if I had a tree stand or if I had the sticks or if I had the, ta- the, the saddle or if I had this, that and my clothes and blah, blah, blah. And then I need to haul out, you know, an entire quartered out deer or something like that. I know that's not going to happen. It's going to be multiple trips. Um, you know, if it's, if it's, you know, a deep end or something like that, or even like not so deep end. So either way, I come to the conclusion that I'm packing for the hunt, not necessarily packing for the pack out. You know, if I get something down, I'm going to the car, I'm going to, you know, I'm getting, emptying my stuff or maybe get a bigger pack or get the sled, whatever, go back and go get it. That'll be a second trip. Okay. And I'll deal with it at that point. So that's just kind of a reality that I, you know, that I, that I came to. So, um, that is going to be my, um, my, my system going into, going into the season. Now, um, I want to move on to equipment. I want, what am I going to be shooting? Well, uh, man, I've gotten all of my bows now. Uh, this is a good thing and a bad thing. I've gotten all my bows completely dialed, completely tuned, completely, you know, broadheads, everything, arrow setups, completely done to the hilt. Now I kind of wish that I hadn't done all that, you know, because then it would force me to just pick one bow. So I've got my 59 Kodiak. I've got the 66 Kodiak Magnum. I've got the 66 Grizzly, and I've got um, the Omega Original, and I've got my um, Elite Pure uh, Compound, right? I'm not going to carry my compound right away. I really, really want to go after uh, anything, really, with, uh, with my trad bows. And honestly, man... I like, I'm, I'm going to eliminate as far, you know, right away, I'm going to eliminate the Omega and I'm going to eliminate the K-Mag because the Omega is a little bit too long. Um, and I want more field experience with that. Um, being able to, you know, get into places, tuck into places, that kind of thing. The Kodiak Magnum is the ultimate one for getting into places like that, but I'm not shooting it as good or as heavy an arrow because I have a lighter arrow set up for that now that I just set up for it. Um, that thing's coming in at like 39 pounds at, uh, I'm shooting a 470 grain arrow, right? Super light, but it's flying amazing. Super light compared, you know, in in the trad world, right? But it's flying amazing. I was just shooting it today and I've got broadheads, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm shooting Zwicky Eskimos for everything. Um, but that's going to kind of sit aside too, because I'd rather shoot something, um, that I shoot just a little bit better or feels a little bit better in the hand. Um, I've, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of leaning toward the 58 to 60 inch bows, which are my Grizzly and my Kodiak. Now I really, really like carrying that Kodiak, the 59 in my hand that is shooting a 610 grain arrow. Um, and it is also, um, you know, the the most, I'm just going to say it, it's the prettiest one out there. And it's the one I really, really want to have in my hands, but there's this, this, um, I'm going to say like blue collar, uh, handsomeness of, 
the Grizzly that I really like too. And I've got that one shooting incredibly well. Shooting again, a six, they both come in 610 grains, although they're complete, they're, you know, they're one spy, spine size different. They're different lengths um, between that and the, and the Kodiak. But um, I've got that one shooting really, really well. And man, I, I don't know. I don't know which one. It's probably going to be one of the two. It may, it may be the Grizzly. It may be the Kodiak. I'm not sure. But I'm, I'm, I'm thinking I might just take the Grizzly. I don't know. Um, it just, I don't know. There, there's something about it that calls to me, even though um, uh, the 59 is, is, is prettier. I don't know. I'm talking about the very first hunt. I may, I'm, I'm probably going to alternate, alternate bows and whatnot. But um, yeah, these things are shooting 610 grain arrows. I'm shooting Zwicky Eskimos. Uh, they've got like 26% FOC, 27% you know FOC. Um, and I'm shooting them really, really well. Now, this past weekend, just uh, yesterday, actually, I met up with um, a couple of guys from uh, the Arrowheads Crew podcast, uh, TC and Christoph, and TC's son, Jack, and their buddy, uh, Charlie. And we met at a, um, a 3D range uh, nearby here in Lakeville, Minnesota. And I'd never been to a 3D uh, range before. I'd shot one or two 3D targets here and there. They were like, they were like turkey targets. But I'd never done like a, like a whole course. And I'm telling you... This was, it wasn't an eye opener. It was actually, it was actually really, really good to know that all the practicing I've been doing, um, verified that I am good 17 yards and under is like my, I got this right. I would always move up. Uh, I would always move up, you know, closer than what the stakes were. Cause obviously they're, they're, they're set up for compounds and things like that. But we were all with a bunch of trad guys, by the way, those guys are super, super nice. Go listen to their podcast. Uh, amazing guys. And, um, I believe, uh, TC is going to head out on a, um, on an Alaska trip for like two months with Donnie Vincent. He's a filmmaker. He helps, uh, you know, film, um, film for him and stuff. So, uh, just, just a shout out to those guys. Thank you for inviting me. I'd never been to one before. It was incredible time. Uh, we shot 38 targets. I only lost one arrow and I only lost one arrow, believe it or not on this, at the end of the day, there was this one long bomb, 60 yard moose, you know, people were trying to hit and I thought, well, okay, my, my arrows are going to like lob completely up and trajectory is going to make it come down. And there's no way I'm going to lose an arrow. Cause when you shoot it kind of straightish, they hit the grass and they submarine and you never find them, right? I mean, they just disappear into like the ether. But I'm thinking if they were to come down, you know, from such a high trajectory from going up and then coming down, they'd stick into the ground with the tail sticking up. But I couldn't find this. I couldn't believe it. So anyway, I lost one arrow. I verified to myself that I do like my heavier arrow setup actually because yesterday I was shooting a lighter 520-something-ish uh, grain setup out of that Kodiak. And uh, I didn't like it because... Seven, you know, 20, 25, 30 yard shots we were taking and stuff on some of these, but more than half of them actually got closer to like, you know, 15 yards, 17 yards, things like that. And it was, it was, you know, 17 to 20, something like that. It was hitting high. And I just didn't like, I liked the, the, the speed. I liked that it was flatter. I, you know, and I think it's totally heavy enough, but honestly, with my kind of uh, self um, proclaimed limits, of under 17 yards, let's say, like I wouldn't actually range it. You know, the guys had range finders and they would range it and stuff, but then I would just kind of walk close after they had done shooting and I'd say, Hey, do you mind if I walk up? And everyone was like, Hey, shoot from wherever you want to shoot. And I'd walk up a little bit until I'd get into like the, the feels good range. And I can't describe that to anybody unless you've actually been doing it. Right. And I didn't actually pace anything off. 
And I just kind of walked like, okay, here, I, this is my, I got this range, right? I don't have to think about it. And then I was getting the arrows right into the kill zone right there. I was doing um, poor shots when I was shooting a lot farther. Um, anyway, so that really verified to me that what I'd been doing for the last like year, basically of, of the, I, I've talked about this, I got this range. Well, that really worked for me. And I'm really, really glad because I was afraid I was going to be losing arrows you know, because it's one thing to shoot at a target that's like a four by four or five by five bale or whatever, you know, it is because, you know, you're not going to lose a, you know, 10 to $20 arrow. Right. But when you're shooting at, like, say, um, like a deer target or a coyote or, or something smaller, a pheasant or whatever, and it's just kind of hanging out out there with, with a couple of stakes underneath it. And if you miss, it's going into the swamp, into the woods and whatever. You're not going to, you know, we did find arrows, but um, I, you know, you, you certainly start to double guess, you know, your, your, your confidence in, you know, how far you think you're going to take a, a shot at something. And me, I kept moving up, um, to, to a range where it felt good. Like, okay, I'm not worried about missing and going over or under or whatever. I just want to hit the vitals. And when I did that, I was, I was nailing it. So I was really, really, it was an incredible confidence booster. I'm not, I'm not saying that in, in, in a braggy kind of way. I'm saying that, that I'm limiting myself and it's like, well, duh, of course that close, you're going to get it. Right. And if I moved any farther then I wasn't doing so well, so it, it, it verified to me that what I've been doing and the way I've been practicing, you know, from my knees, from different positions, hunched over, you know, leaning around stuff that it, that it's been working. So I'm really, really glad that, uh, you know, that I did that. So, um, anyway, so if you haven't done any of that kind of stuff, I really haven't even started talking about some of the other stuff, but I'm going to go through, um, some, some, some preseason or last minute things that, you know, you, you, you really should be doing here. So, um, you know, you're, you're not, you're not caught out, you know, on, on opening day. So the shooting of the, the, the 3d deal, um, is, uh, it was big for me. And if you haven't done anything like that, man, go out and do it. And it's really going to prove to you how you can shoot under pressure because people are watching and how you can shoot when you're like, man, if I miss this, um, do I really want to risk, uh, you know, losing, you know, this $20 arrow? It's one thing to shoot at a target bale from 40, 50 yards away, but yeah, you know, it, it's going to stick in there. But if I miss this, this, this 3d target, it's gone. You know, it, it really is like a, I don't say pucker factor, but uh, it kind of, kind of slaps you in the face. Like, okay, I, I, are you really thinking you can do what you think you can do? So yeah, anyway, I like doing that. So, oh, by the way, before I move on, sorry, I know I'm kind of jumping back and forth here. I want to go back to the whole saddle thing, by the way. Um, I did end up uh, trying this uh, new cactus saddle from John Tucker. John is going to be a podcast, uh, is going to be a guest on the podcast. I'm hoping to get him on this week. Um, he is a friend of uh, Jason Sankoviak's. Um, you probably, if you listen to his podcast, and you probably do, if you don't, you probably should. You've probably heard the the, the Tucker Chronicles, you know, when they, um, you know, podcast in the car sometimes when they're going on an out-of-state trip. So anyway, super, super nice guy. He's been a saddle hunter forever, and he came out with the, with, with the, with the Tacta Saddle. And uh, when this first came out on, you know, there was a lot of buzz on a Saddle Hunter forum about like, oh, there's no way I'd wear this thing. It looks like butt floss. Uh, it can't be comfortable. I can't believe this, blah, blah, blah. Well, I decided to try it. And let me tell you, it is, it is, it is absolutely beyond comfortable. Um, there's a couple things on it that, that I would change. There's a couple things that, and I've talked to him about it. Um, there's a couple things on it that I think can be improved or kind of redesigned a little bit here and there. But as far as like build quality, 
top notch. As far as comfort, top notch. Uh, to the point that I actually sold my Mantis. Now, um, caveat, I'm nobody, so my opinion probably doesn't matter, number one. Number two, uh, nothing against Tether. Those guys are, uh, at least Ernie is local. Another guy that works with them, Cody, is local. Ernie is like, Ernie Power, you know, one of the co-owners, he's like literally like 10 minutes away from me. Um, they're, they're, the saddles are manufactured, you know, 20 minutes away from me in, in Jordan, Minnesota here. I love the fact, I love what they've done. I love entrepreneurship. I love... Um, you know, in innovation and I love supporting local companies and stuff and there's nothing bad against it, but I could never, you know, and that was my first saddle. I've never tried the, the arrow hunters or anything like that. And the Mantis was, um, kind of deemed to be, you know, the lightest, uh, most mobile, smallest, you know, um, run and gun. And it is, it, it's amazing it, it, for, for what it is, but I could never get the whole wedgie factor figured out. I was always sliding forward in the thing. Even when I, you know, I would, uh, you know, they tell you to, to, to move the saddle down and have it below your belt line, for example, or uh, change the way the, the leg straps come off, you know, and I did all that stuff. And don't get me wrong, the build quality is amazing. I, I love that saddle. I just had never tried anything else. Nothing against those guys. I fully support them 100%. I probably buy other products from them. But um, when I tried the Tacta saddle, it just fit me better. And let me tell you, it may look like butt floss. Um, the if, you, if you've seen this or if you followed any of the threads, you know what I'm talking about, but it's not, um, it is, it is, is beyond comfortable. It's so comfortable. It fit me a whole lot better. And the biggest thing is I wasn't sliding forward in it. It wasn't giving me a wedgie. It wasn't riding up. Now I talked about the one stick method earlier. Okay. When I was trying to do that, those kind of one stick methods with the Mantis, I was sliding forward. I was sliding forward because when you, like I said, when you, um, come off the stick, and you're hanging there, right, on by, by the side of the tree, and you're going to move the stick up or the rope ladder or whatever the hell you're, you're using, you're, you're basically hanging with the, the tether pulling almost straight up, right? I mean, you're pretty much hugging the tree, and the, the load is pulling straight up on you, right? Now, it's not meant to be used that way as far as you're not meant to hang there like that forever. It's meant, You're meant to have some sort of angle away from the tree, right? And the tether is supposed to go away at an angle at a certain angle. But um, when you're trying to climb with this method, you don't have a choice. Or if you just kind of want to take a break in the tree and you're just kind of hanging there, the load is like pretty much straight up or, or almost as vertical as, as can be. And with the Mantis, I was like, you know, if it wasn't for the leg straps, I mean, I the, the the thing would be like around my, you know, underneath my armpits, right? I'd slide down. Um, so that really, that method of climbing wasn't working. When I tried the Tacta saddle, I don't have that riding up feeling. I don't have, I'm not sliding in it. You know, it doesn't give me a wedgie at all. So using this climbing method, it's more supportive. Um, the saddle that the saddle for me, the Tacta saddle is more supportive under my under my thighs. And when I do come off the side of the tree and I'm just hanging there, I don't feel like I'm fighting trying to like stay in the saddle while I'm trying to move the stick up the tree. I can actually concentrate and go slow. I'm comfortable. I can actually lean down, grab the stick, concentrate on what I'm doing. Don't make a lot of noise. Don't scrape my knuckles, move the stick up and then get back into it. It just works out so much better for me. And I, I, I really, really fell in love with it. Um, so that's, that's what I'm, I'm going to be using going into this season. So like I said, I'm going to have him on the, uh, John on, on the podcast here. We're, we're, we're still talking about what uh, probably this week we're going to record, but, um, 
it's pretty cool. I think you, you'd like to hear from a super, super nice guy. Um, you know, like I said, been doing it forever, diehard uh, traditional bow hunter. And uh, he's been, you know, hunting out of his own saddles for the last like 20 years or something like that. And so he finally came to market with this thing. And I'm really excited with it. And the thing balls up to the size. I, I, I compared uh, in, in my hands, um, you know, how you, you guys all know how small the Mantis um, how balls up and how, how, how small it can get, right? Well, the Tacta saddle does the same thing. I mean, the, the, the size difference is... Uh, I can't tell a size difference. They're both incredibly small. They stuff in incredibly small. So, um, yeah, there, uh, that, there you go. So, um, climbing, climbing method, you know, ties into, uh, the, the saddle that I'm using and I'm actually able to use that climbing method because of the saddle. And because of that, that I'm able to use only one stick and because of that, it's actually a lot lighter. So, um, anyway, uh, gonna kind of run short on time over here, but I do want to, um, I do want to run into a couple of, uh, of things that you guys should be doing if you haven't done so already. It's still not too late, okay? Some of these things uh, <clears throat> are just common sense. Some of these things you may have to order. But hey, with the world of Amazon nowadays, I mean, it's not too late, okay? Even if you're hunting next week, uh, I'd, I'd rather you, you check these things and do these things um, rather than, you know, go, go, you know, unsafe or whatever. But um, in no particular order, well, I just got them in order here, but no particular order, I'm going to run through like a little checklist of things that you, you really should do if you haven't done so already. All right. So the first thing, sorry, I think a sip of water there. The first thing you should check is, um, check your tree stand or your saddle or whatever you happen to be using. Check the cables, check the bolts, make sure they're not rusty. If you happen to leave them, you know, out in the tree, uh, you know, over, over the summer or whatnot, you know, some people leave them year round. You really shouldn't, but check them for UV damage. Uh, check them for, uh, for rust, check them for squirrel damage. Okay. Get up there and look at this stuff. If it's anything is iffy, just replace them. You really shouldn't be leaving your stands out there anyway. Even if it's on private property, it's really not good. I mean, bring those things in. The elements aren't really that, that good for it. Sure. You sit in it for most season, but, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's not worth your life to go out there and, um, uh, you know, step onto something and have the platform break or, you know, ropes break or straps break or whatnot, you know, replace that stuff. Okay. You can get replacement cables and things like that from, uh, you know, I believe Lone Wolf does that. I don't, I, th I think other tree stand manufacturers, they may not give out replacement, um, different replacement parts, but I think things like cables, um, and bolts and washers, I believe they do that. Check those washers if, you, if you're using a, uh, a tree stand. Uh, those plastic washers that are in there, uh, make sure they're still good. Make you know, move everything up and down. Make sure they don't they don't squeak. Make sure the straps are still you know good and not frayed and things like that. So, get that stuff and replace it. It doesn't it doesn't take much. And even if it's just not for safety, do it for quietness, right? I mean, you don't want any squeaks or squeaks or groans or anything like that when when you're up there. So. Like I said, with uh, with Amazon, you can have a lot of the stuff. Uh, some of it maybe maybe because it's so you know already in hunting season or, or or damn near hunting season, maybe back ordered. But still, you know it's it's worth checking this stuff. Number two, go pack your pack. Do like a dry run through of, of of your pack and take everything out of there first of all. And if you have like old leaves and twigs and things like that, shake that crap out of there, and you know take out any items that you haven't used. I mean, this is simple stuff, right? Yeah, we tell you know you can tell this to, to to campers, or you can tell this to you know even like cleaning out your garage. If you haven't used it in the last year, take it out, throw it away. 
you know, or, or, or put it in, you know, put it in the storage and, and don't always have it in there with you. Now, the exception, of course, is emergency items. You know, you should have your emergency items in there, but, you know, be reasonable with all this stuff, right? Um, you know, I always have, let's say, like a backup, um, uh, backup flashlight and backup batteries. Okay, done. But everything else, I don't need backups after backups after backups after backups, okay? It all depends. Some of us aren't, you know, some of us are only hunting like, like a few hundred yards into the woods and some of us are going like two miles in. Either way, you decide, okay, but go through a dry run of what should be in your pack and, you know, what shouldn't be in your pack. And then, and then be, you know, be, be honest with yourself about whether you're just carrying it just because you like it or because, um, uh, you know, you, you think you might actually need it. Now, like I said, if it's an emergency, emergency thing, keep it in there. You know, but be reasonable about reasonable about it. Keep it in there, but you know, don't don't go overboard. So, make sure your pack is packed the way you're going to use it in the woods. For example, if you are carrying, you know, in my case with a saddle, or if uh, you know you've got a tree stand, I pack everything in the pack in the order that it's going to come back out. Okay, so I don't have. Uh, if I'm going to put something on first, let's say my saddle, I'm going to put my saddle on first. That's going to be the first thing out of my pack. So it's the last thing that goes in my pack. So it's the first thing that comes out because it's at the top. I'm not going to, and my ropes and my tether and all that stuff are at the very, very bottom because they're going to be the last things I'm going to pull out. What I, what I don't want to do is have to unload all that crap out at the base of the tree where it's marshy or, you know, my case, marshy or swampy or, 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 you know, leaves or what have you. Uh, we've all lost stuff like right at the base of the tree. And they're like, how the hell can I not find what I just dropped? It dropped right here. Like the other day I was, uh, I was practicing and I dropped my phone. I was going to do like a little video vlog, whatever, out of, out of the tree saddle. I was going to show you some of the stuff and I dropped my phone and it took me like 10 minutes to find it after I got done. It was, it was right at the base of the tree. It just, it just unreal. So if you're going to do that in the dark, especially, you don't want to be messing around with stuff where you're trying to find all the stuff in the dark and fiddle faddling around with it. So have everything packed in a logical order so you can put the stuff, um, you know, pull, pull, the, pull the stuff out and use it in the order that you're going to use it and always have the same stuff in the same pockets or in the same, you know, locations every time. So it just becomes, you know, it, it just becomes like rote, right? So um, next, check your, um, check your bow. Um, obviously, we're early season here. We're talking, we're talking archery, but check your bow. If you haven't already, if you, if you don't work on your own bow, you should already have taken it to a pro shop, but even if, you know, you can squeeze it in somewhere, the pro shops are slammed and you're going to be that guy or you're going to be that girl, the last minute Nelly that goes in and says, Hey, I didn't touch this thing all year long. Can you look at my bow? Well, they, they might be able to squeeze you in. It doesn't hurt to ask. I'd rather you do that and have a safe bow. You know, if, if your strings are frayed or, you know, if your D loops about to, you know, to pop off or, um, you know, if your riser's got a crack in it or, you know, what have you. Just, it, 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 do, it doesn't make sense to go out there and get hurt, you know, with a bow blowing up in your hand. Um, make sure you just go out there and have, you know, safe everything. Pull your bow back. If you haven't been shooting your bow, I mean, shame on you. I, I really don't think, you know, unless you're that good, you probably shouldn't just be picking up your bow like a few days before opening season and opening day and, and, and going out there shooting. But make sure everything's working right. Make sure your drop away rests or whatever are working right. Make sure you're, um, you know, tighten up all your screws and all, 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 all the stuff on, on, on your rests or on your, um, on your cams, on your, um, on your draw stops, on your, uh, on your sight pins. 
uh, you know, flex all your arrows, you know, if you've been shooting them all, you know, for a long time, and maybe you haven't noticed that one's got like a little bit of a kind of a creak or crack in it, right? You don't want that thing blowing up and blowing shrapnel, carbon shrapnel through your, uh, you know, through your wrist when you're, you know, a mile deep into the woods. Not good. So just, just common sense kind of stuff. And also if something's squeaking or rattling or whatever, take care of that stuff now. So it doesn't, you know, bite you in the ass, you know, when, when, when you're drawn down on, on, uh, you know, your buck of a lifetime or whatever it is. So, uh, number four, have, have a plan for opening day. Now, depending where you are, it, it may be crowded opening morning, opening day, opening weekend, may be crowded. What you think is, uh, you know, going to be the perfect spot and the perfect deer activity and a perfect ambush point, ambush point or perfect, whatever, may be completely thrown out the window you know, have a plan and then have a plan to change that plan and be okay with, with like, man, you get somewhere and there's already like three cars parked there. Well, shit, I didn't know anybody actually knew about this place. Well, guess what? They did. And they're probably thinking the same thing. They just got there earlier than you, or you get there and they get there later than you and they, and they blow your spot. What are you going to do? You're going to get mad. You can get mad or you can actually use that pressure to, to move around and be like, okay, well, um, I think the deer are going to do this because of all this increased, all, all of a sudden this increased, um, hunter pressure or human presence, you know, in the woods and just don't get mad about it. Just have a, have a plan to, to adapt and you may have to kind of adapt on the spot, but just understand that it may not go all according to, um, uh, according to plan, like you thought. So, um, uh, number five, do you have your license? And is it in your pack or wherever you're supposed to have it? You know, if you're in one of these states where you have to have it pinned to your vest or hat or whatever, I mean, do you actually physically have it with you? Um, you know, a lot of times we'll buy our licenses and tags and things like that, and they'll sit in the drawer. Um, I'm guilty of that. And uh, then, then you're frantically, like the night before when everyone's gone to sleep and, you know, family's trying to get some shut eye because you're going to get up at four, you know, three, four o'clock in the morning or whatever it is. You don't want to be slamming drawers open and looking at stuff and asking, you know, you know, trying to trying to find this one little sliver of license or tag or whatever um that 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 you lost have that stuff organized have it where it's supposed to be and just you know put it in your pack and make sure it's the pack that you're going to take if you have multiple tap multiple packs but then you're not then you're not scrambling at the last minute you know it's there just like when i said with your pack pack your pack and make sure your license is with it because more often than not i, I hear i hear a lot of times it's like oh crap i went out and i i forgot my license so uh, number six, are your broadheads sharp? Whatever you shoot, if you should, I shoot, uh, you know, sharpenable, uh, you know, two blade broadhead, right? I love sharpening. It's therapeutic. I love getting them razor, razor sharp. I love stropping them. I love getting the burr off them. I like getting them just polished. I mean, I, 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 I obsess about it, right? If you don't take it to someone who does or get a broadhead that actually is shaving sharp, out of the package. Now, if you're shooting uh, for the compound guys, if you're shooting something like, you know, uh, Slick Tricks or, you know, Montex or, or whatever, uh, and the mechanicals, I don't know. There's not a single mechanical broadhead that I've actually seen and touched where the blades are actually sharp enough that, that, that meet even close to my, to my satisfaction of being, of being sharp. Um, to me, they're, they're dull. They're all dull. Um, I see a mechanical broadhead as like a big blunt, 
uh, blunt force trauma going through in animals. I'm not going to get on a, a, a tirade about uh, mechanicals. Some work, some don't, but there's not a single one of them that I've ever that I've ever you know bought or had or used. I've you know seen like the NAP sling blades, uh, the Spitfires, um, the uh, NAP. Um, oh, what the hell is it? Uh, uh, crap. Anyway, I can't remember the one that soaks up a lot of energy. Um, you know. The, the rage is any of that stuff. Not a single one of them actually has what I would consider sharp blades. But uh, any of like the slick tricks, razor sharp. The Montec, like the G5s and things like that, razor sharp. Okay. So if you're using that kind of stuff, make sure they're not the ones you've actually been shooting in the targets or replace the blades if they're replaceable blades, like a slick trick or something like that. And just put new blades in there and hunt with those. If you're shooting a two blade, um, on the traditional side, uh, I'm even shooting a Zwicky Escalite on my out of my compound. I'm shooting it's a 455 grain arrow with a with a two blade broadhead on the front, right? Um, those things are like razor razor sharp. So make sure those are absolutely sharp because the last thing you want to do. I'm not going to get into this whole thing about why sharpness matters and how sharpness cuts versus um, you know c cutting uh, cutting arteries and veins and things like that versus like a more dull one. Um, lots of has been said about that, but make sure they're sharp. Make sure they're actually really, really sharp and they stay in your quiver. And then, you know, over the course of, you know, putting them in and out of your quiver all the time, let's say, they will get dull. They may get dull from oxidization too out in the elements. Make sure they stay sharp over, over, the, course of, um, over the course of the hunting season. Uh, so number seven, meat care. Make sure you have a plan if you get something down. It's early season. It's still hot everywhere, Okay. Um, and even if it's not hot, hot, it's still going to be in the seventies, like in Minnesota here, like next week, right? That's hot enough to like spoil meat. So if you do get something down, have a plan, have a cooler with you, have a cooler ready to go. I'm not saying the cooler has to be like packed full of ice, you know, um, you know, cause you don't want to be too presumptuous. Like, Oh, I'm going to get something down. Maybe you are, whatever. If you want to, if you want to pack a cooler full of ice and, and, and have it ready to go, that's great. But have a plan to get an animal out quickly and what you're going to do with it, okay? Whether you're going to take it back uh, to the house and get it um, skinned out there and, and, and quartered up and, and on ice there, or you're going to take it right to a processor. If you're going to take it to a processor, are they going to be open? What hours are they open? So if you have to go, you know, uh, tracking this thing through the middle of the night and you finally find it at 3 o'clock in the morning, well, you know, what are you going to do? Are you going to take it right to the processor or wait till they wake uh, till, till they open up? Are they even going to be open? So have a plan for this kind of stuff. It's not like, um, you know, at least here in Minnesota, you know, later in the season, definitely late season, it doesn't matter, right? I mean, you can shoot the thing and your whole, the outside the com is, is your freezer, right? The meat's not going bad. But early season, even here, absolutely can go bad. So, you know, you, you, you should owe it to the animal, you know, if you do happen to, to harvest one to you know, have a plan to, to take care of this, uh, to, you know, to, to get it out of the woods and to take care of the meat, uh, really quickly. And, uh, tagging on with that number eight will be the last thing I talk about. Cause I'm kind of running along here is, uh, think about, uh, deboning or quartering your deer. Now, um, over the years we've, we've heard and seen a lot of videos and things like that about the, the gutless method where, uh, you know, you just kind of peel back the hide uh, then you either quarter or you debone, you know, right there in the field, right? And then you hike out either the, you know, the quarters, like the bone in quarters without the hide, without the guts or anything like that. So you would take the hind leg, uh, you would take the front quarter and you would take the back straps and then the tenderloins, cause you can reach in, um, 
you can reach in and grab the tenderloins from the outside. You can still kind of rip those things out. And if you really wanted to, you can go inside and, and, and get to the heart. But either way, um, whether you actually end up gutting the animal or just deboning it and doing the gutless method, uh, think about doing that. If, if, you're, if you're in deep in some places, uh, you may not be able to get this thing out <clears throat> um, without dragging it like for like a mile, even like several hundred yards, four or five hundred yard drag is a long way to drag. I'm sorry, especially if it's a big deer. Dragging sucks. So, you know, have the option of having like a sled with you or like a game cart or something like that. But if you don't and you can do it in your state, try uh, deboning or, um, or or even just quartering and then you can debone or everything at home. And then you just you just pack that stuff out, even if you have to make a couple trips. Now, here's the problem. When in, in many states now, well, in a bunch of states, that's not allowed. In Minnesota, um, you are not allowed to just debone or just quarter the deer and leave the rest there. The only thing you're allowed to leave in the woods is the guts, right? You're allowed to, um, and this is public land, you're allowed to, to field dress the deer, but the carcass has to be removed. Now, to me, this is counterintuitive to the whole CWD thing. Number one, they don't want carcasses moved from, um, or uh, they want the carcasses gone, but they don't want carcasses moved from one county to the other, or, or um, you know, they don't want carcasses moved moved around because that helps in, the, in the, you know, that aids the, the, the transmission of, of CWD, which are what they're trying to stop. I don't understand this. If you shoot an animal in any zone, whether it's a CWD zone or a non-CWD zone, what's, what's better than just taking the quarters off or the meat off and leaving that carcass with the spinal fluid and everything else right there where it already is? Why would you want to move that animal to somewhere else and then, and then you're going to have to dispose of that carcass somewhere else, right? So I, I shoot that thing on public land. I'm going to have to drag it out and I debone it, whatever, you know, get the meat off at home. And then the rest of the carcass, I'm going to have to put in a garbage bag and then take it to an approved dump site, right? Um, you know, the, you know, check, you know, you can, you can have, uh, you know, your garbage may pick it up or uh, like the landfill might take it or whatnot, but you're still taking that carcass out of where it was and, and, and transporting it. I, I don't understand that. Anyway, that's a whole nother thing. I'm trying to get a CWD expert on, on the show. Um, it's been kind of hard trying to get somebody on. Um, we've had various like scheduling and, and, and like personnel kind of problems, but I'm, I'm really, really trying to get, get to the bottom of that. But what I have figured out at least here and, and, uh, you may too. So th this, this may be beneficial to you. I called the DNR, the Minnesota DNR, and I asked them, I said, are we allowed to debone and quarter deer and get them out on public land? On, on private land, you can do that. And I have been doing that, right? But on public land, no, you got to get the whole thing out of there. However, I was told, and I called several times about this and both times verified, this is what they told me, <clears throat> that yes, you can debone, you can quarter deer out. However, you have to go get the rest of the carcass out as well. Okay, so if you're in deep, let's say I'm a mile in deep or whatever, and I'm like, man, there's no way I'm going to drag this this deer through like a mile of, of swamp grass and cattails or whatever. Yes, you can debone it. Okay, you can debone it. You can um, quarter it. Well, I wouldn't debone it. You can quarter it and hike the pieces out back to your car, back to wherever it's going to be in pieces. But you do have to go back and get the whole carcass minus minus the you know minus the guts right so some states some people say well that's you know uh, quartering is not allowed in my state i would definitely call 
call your DNR, call your, you know, fishing game, whatever the, the, the entity happens to be and verify that because yes, you may not be, you know, you may have to, you may still be able to debone it and it'll make it easier for you to take it out of the woods, but you just have to make multiple trips to get all of it out. Okay. That's still better than having to drag this thing for miles behind you because a deer drag sucks, right? Deer drags look cool on TV commercials, you know, with the, you know, the, the grandson and grandpa, you know, dragging the first, uh, you know, big buck back, you know, through the, through the field. Well, they're going about like 20 feet in that commercial and they're going, you know, to the back of a four wheeler. All right. That's a commercial in real life. It's grueling. It's, it's, it's sweaty. It's long. It's, uh, it's painful. Um, it's, it just sucks. I mean, it absolutely sucks. So if you can quarter and debone or whatever deer, go ahead and do that. Think about doing that get game bags, um, you know, have ice ready, have a cooler ready and, uh, know how to, uh, take care of the meat. Uh, if you debone the thing and hang it up to cool, for example, a lot of the Western guys, that's what they do. And, and a lot of the Eastern, you know, whitetail, Midwest whitetail, uh, guys are kind of catching on, on to doing this. So learn their techniques, learn their techniques about how to debone the stuff or, or, or quarter the stuff, hang the quarters up in, you know, um, in, in trees or in a cool, in a cool area where air can circulate around it away from coyotes, away from, you know, other, other critters that can, you know, eat it or whatever while you make the trip back. So if you have to hike back out to your car or truck or whatever, um, drop the stuff, come back, get the rest of it. Um, then you know that the meat's going to be good. It's not going to be spoiled and the coyotes aren't going to, um, you know, devour it. So anyway, look into that stuff. So with that, I'm going to wrap it up. Um, Again, a lot of the stuff was very, very last minute, just the way the scheduling worked out. Um, I was, you know, I wasn't even due to do an episode this, this week, but I'm so, so excited, um, coming up for, uh, this, this coming weekend, man, am I, am I excited? It looks like I'm actually going to be around for a good, good majority of October, uh, here as well in town. I'm usually gone. I'm usually, uh, traveling. So I am, <clears throat> I am super, super excited. I hope your guys have seasons. If they've started, you have, you're having good luck. We're still, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of guys on, uh, on Facebook, Instagram, whatnot, social media, where, um, they're getting these awesome deer down. Uh, congratulations by the way to, uh, uh, to Blaine Swanson. Uh, he's, he's part of the, uh, the lethal podcast up there. Uh, he just shot, uh, last week, uh, a beautiful, uh, bear. It's his very first traditional harvest. Congratulations to him. And, uh, also Garrett Prawl. Uh, if you listen to the DIY sportsman, um, he, him and, uh, Shane Simpson, they both, they want, they both tagged out in North Dakota, uh, shot beautiful bucks out there just this, uh, this, this past week. So, uh, congrats to those guys. I'm so excited. I'm seeing all these, you know, animals like hit the ground and everything. It, 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 we're here. We're in hunting season. Even if your season hasn't exactly started, or if you don't start till October, um, we're, we're, we're in the thick of it. So anyway, think about all the stuff and I wish you guys uh, the best of luck and I will talk to you guys next week. Thanks.